You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. We highlight the stories of first-generation college graduates that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor, and I am joined today by a homegirl of mine that I've known for about 10 or so years. We connected back in the AmeriCorps VISTA program, doing some work. I think it was pro-literacy Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the name of the organization. Yes. But Brittany Underwood is a homegirl of mine. She is a native of Detroit, Michigan. She is also a graduate of Northwestern High School, and from there, she attended and graduated from Kentucky State University, HBCU, and she received a Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology and a minor in Criminal Justice. And then from there, where she's currently at, Grand Valley State University, doing some things over in higher education, student affairs, leadership, and she's doing some fantastic work. And she's actually going to be graduating in a couple of weeks, but enough about hearing from me. Let's let Brittany talk herself and talk about how dope she is. So, Brittany, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. I mean, you pretty much went over my bio for P, which is great. Like you said, right now, I am at Grand Valley State University. I work over in the Office of Multicultural Affairs, so shout out to the office if y'all listening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I've done a lot of great things with diversity and inclusion, but also just a higher education in general over at Grand Valley. That transition from getting my bachelor's in psychology and transitioning to higher education is something that I didn't know that I was going to be doing. And like, you know, I feel like most people don't know that they're going to go into higher education until like they're going into it, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I worked for a couple of years before I decided to come back to school. I worked at Lawrence Tech in Southfield, Michigan for about three years. So I took a couple of gap years before I decided to come to Grand Valley to pursue my master's in higher ed. So yeah, that's how I got here. And I, I, you know, like you said, I did a lot of great things. I worked in campus recreation, doing a diversity curriculum. I also was able to go to Ghana over the summer with the Honors College my Grand Valley. That was pretty amazing because it was six weeks and we went to all parts of Ghana. And I've done a lot of speaking engagement, you know, the teaching, which is a diversity, teachable, 
conference-style event that Grand Valley has, but I also did national conference ACPA as well. So, yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah, Britt has done a lot of great things, and I appreciate you sharing. And as you can see, she's kept herself busy. And I mentioned earlier that we connected 2009, actually. It was funny. Um, uh, thinking really? about, I was looking at some of, yeah, this, I was looking on Facebook, and I saw the pictures that we were at the Hush House, and we were doing something. I don't know. We was on some ladder or some shit, but uh, <laughs> we were doing something. Oh, yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. We was, we was, okay, so I think I remember. We was at some point trying to build the little, I, I forgot the name of it, but. A panel, a solar panel. We were okay, okay, solar okay. panel yeah, to heat yeah, up a yeah, small yeah. room. I thought that was okay, dope. Okay. I remember that. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't yeah. remember what we were doing. Yeah, but I was having <laughs> looking at those Facebook pictures. I'm like, what was he doing? But anyway, that's here and over here. But yeah, has been a good friend of mine for the past 10 years. And one of her good friends just celebrated a birthday. So happy birthday, Sierra, depending on when this is here. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we both will wish you a happy birthday. But Happy birthday, so, yeah. Bestie. I'm love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say all that. I'm just going to wish you a happy birthday. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I did before. But again, that's neither here nor there. So I want to get into a couple of the questions, and I really want to hear about your experience growing up in Detroit, because I know you went to Northwestern High School. You know some friends of mine that went there as well, but talk about your experience growing up in Detroit. Okay, so my experience in Detroit, it was like a tug of war in a sense. You know, I grew up in the city, predominantly black, the area that I lived in, my grandma still lives in there. So mm -hmm. I was able to see that neighborhood in particular when it was on its peak, at least in my time era, because, you know, and now it's not so great. But when I grew up in Detroit, I loved it. I, you know, my mm -hmm. mom was a very outsy person, so we always was going out, having a good time, you know, Belle Isle, mm -hmm. downtown, you know, all of that. I would say that, like, the tug of war came in because of the schools, like, I you know, I did DPS throughout my whole education, and mm -hmm. you know, the schools were not the best. Northwestern wasn't the best, but and it was a lot of like, you know, gangs around it as well that kind of took over the school atmosphere. But I still, because I hadn't had any other exposure to other places, you know, it was normalized for me. It wasn't like that mm -hmm. big of a deal. I, I knew it was wrong, but it was like, is this the only way? you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because I had never lived anywhere else and I was used to what was going on, even though I knew it was wrong. But I love growing up in Detroit. I love the atmosphere, the vibe that Detroit has, although the crime needs to be better. I just love the vibe of Detroit. I remember going to Belle Isle as a child. I remember them doing these marshmallow launches and people act like they don't remember <laughs> these. But I used to go to the park. And this big helicopter used to drop all these marshmallows. It was amazing. Like, I used to go to River Rouge Park. Um, <laughs> I used to, you know what I'm saying? Like, a Bella. Yeah, I used yeah, to go yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of places. So, I've always had love for Detroit. But I feel like I wanted something different, which is why I went to Kentucky for school. And now, like, I'm trying to get back to Detroit. So, it's just this thing where it's like, even if at one point where I didn't want to own the city i had to i'm drawn to it in some sort of way and i truly believe in the talented tip where you come back and you bring knowledge that you have back to your community and that's kind of the, one of the things that you know i want to is kind of bring that knowledge back to that community that's dope and you mentioned just a couple of things and i like that you spoke about northwestern going there and you wanted to see something different that kind of goes to my next question and i'm kind of mm -hmm. curious to know how did growing up in the D 
influence your pursuit of education outside of high school? When I was in Northwestern, one of the people who inspired me to go to school was Kyla Ross. And she's my best friend still to this day. And she grew up in an even rougher neighborhood than me, but she was super smart, right? And I only mention her because she was one of my first influences to access to college. Like, like I mentioned before, I wanted to go away to college simply because I wanted to get exposure to something new. But I also had an inspiration from, I don't know who he was. He was a guest speaker in one of our classrooms. He came and spoke to us about why we should go to historically black colleges, HBCU. Mm-hmm. He basically told us like, black people need to go. You know, this is an experience of a lifetime. You need to do this. So of course, the fact that I already wanted to go away to school and most HBCUs are outside of the state anyway. It was like, you know, the best of both worlds. You know, my family was supportive. I don't feel like a lot of the resources from my high school prepare us for college, in a sense, because it was, you know, limited resources, DPS. Yeah. At, the, at that point, that's when school starts shutting down, you know, and, and merging together and all of that. But, you know, I feel like it was some inspiration here and there from people who, you know, who really cared that encouraged me to be able to go to school. And that's why I went to away and I went to an HBCU, which I don't regret at all. <laughs> yeah, now you, you mentioned, I want to go back to a point you mentioned and spoke about your friends, spoke about an individual who came to your school. And if I'm not mistaken, just knowing your story, you are the first in your immediate family to attend and graduate college. Is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm a first-generation college student. And it was really hard for my mom to accept the fact that I went away for school. Not only am I in college, but I'm also six hours away <laughs> from my whole family. So it was like that whole, and I went through that whole homesick period. Like, what, did I make this the right choice? Did I make the right decision? And I'm watching the band while I was there. So, you know, with band, you have band camp. Band camp goes down to the university like two weeks early. So I left two weeks before school started mm. to go down to Kentucky State. You know, those first few months were rough because I could, I didn't yeah. have a way to like go home or call. You know, I called home, but I wasn't able to go home if I was like not feeling it. Like if I went to Michigan State or, you know, Eastern or something like that. So yeah, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was an experience, but I'm glad that I was able to experience it because now like any type of risk that I need to take that sounds scary. Like I think about those times where I took those risks and how well they worked out for me. Yeah, yeah, because six hours away. So that's what, Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, those three states. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I can imagine mm-hmm. mom would come like, what is what's going on with Briggs? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, you kind of mentioned this, but I do want to hear a little bit about, like, some of the challenges going to an HBCU as a first-gen student coming from the D. What was that like? Okay, so some of the challenges for me was being prepared. Like I mentioned before, our high school didn't necessarily prepare us because of the limitation of resources. Just generally, Mm -hmm. that's like most DPS schools. I also feel like as a first-generation student, like I didn't know anything about college in general. Like I didn't know Mm -hmm. like what to expect, what not to expect, like what resources I need to use on campus. So finding my way 
around campus was really tough for me. It took me a while. Simple stuff like the FAFSA, for example. Like, I had to fill out the FAFSA. My mom didn't know anything about that. Like, I had to basically memorize her social security number and fill that out every year. And I didn't know what I was signing. <laughs> right, right. And I didn't know what I was signing for. You know what I'm saying? Financial things were, were a hassle because I went out of state, you know, tuition was more and you know an undergrad they don't necessarily give you financial aid that you need to pay for everything <laughs> you know they give you whatever they want to give you so it was a lot of times where I would have to ask my mom to help me cover the rest of my bill for school because you know it would have been cheaper for me to stay in Michigan but I didn't think about that because I didn't you know I wasn't thinking about tuition as a 18 year old kid but mm -hmm. it's something that I should have been thinking about you know what I'm saying yeah yeah, and I think just finding my way around, kind of doing that trial and error, like making mistakes, and you know, of course, the whole before I leave, I find all these great resources, these great people on <laughs> campus that I could have, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, utilized my whole college career, but didn't know, you know, to utilize those. You know, basically finding my way in a timely fashion. That's probably one of the biggest difficulties that I have. I like how you use the phrase finding my way. I heard that a lot. And I'm just kind of curious to know, like, what did that look like for you as far as finding your way? But in particular, like, community, were you able to find that? So my situation was a little different. I came to Kentucky State with friends. Because we marched in a band together, a lot of us from band came as a group. It was at least about 12 of us from my band that went to mm -hmm. Kentucky State. Now, many of them left, they dropped out, or they decided they didn't want to stay at Kentucky State anymore, or they decided they didn't want to do band anymore, which was fine. But I feel like because I was in band, a like concentrated program, it was easier for me to find community mm -hmm. because I was with the same people every day. I was with them for two weeks before school started, so we got to know each other a lot quicker than everybody else on campus, right? But, you know, as far as community outside the band, I really feel like that transition was hard for me because I was so used to band. I was so used to the people in band. When I, at some point in my college career, I decided that I wasn't going to do the band program anymore and I was just going to focus on my studies. And mm. it was basically like I was a new student because I had this whole new population of students that I could hang out with. And so I kind of used the people that I knew, like my best friend or any of my other friends, and I used them as resources and networking resources to find new friends so like all of all of my friends we all had different majors so we had different people in our program that we, we knew so I, I've met a lot of people through my my good friends biology program or any of my other friends programs and I met a lot of people that way so it was really me using the community that I already had to build a bigger community so that's really fun for me because I met a lot of people that way. But coming in, I was I would say that my community was kind of already built because you put the same, you know, hundred plus people mm -hmm. basically every day. So, mm -hmm. but outside of that, I felt like that community that I built outside of Ben was amazing as well. No, I'm just kind of curious because I didn't go to an HBCU. I know friends who did. I interviewed people on this podcast. 
have gone to HBCUs and what I hear about HBCUs is like a totally different experience. But if you could just maybe tell me what it means to go to an HBCU or what does an HBCU mean to you? Because again, I didn't go. I went to Wayne State, I mean, which is kind of like mm-hmm. an HBCU in some ways. But you're diverse. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does it mean, like, going to an HBCU? Going to an HBCU was such an amazing experience for me. Mm-hmm. And it took me to go to a PWI to realize that. Because I didn't PWI, know PWI, so let people know. for the, We don't want to make okay. sure everybody know what PWI is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Predominantly white institution, PWI. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, go on. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So... It took for me to go to Grand Valley or PWI in order for me to realize that my experience at Kentucky State was amazing. For me, what it means to go to an HBCU, it means culture. You know, a lot of people choose not to go to HBCUs, which is totally fine, but a lot of people say that the reason why they chose not to is because it's not realistic to go Mm. where all black people are. I've heard that multiple times where they say, you know, they mm. want to be able to integrate with white culture because that's what's more realistic in the workplace in corporate America. You know, you're not going to be with a lot of black people all the time, which is mm. a true statement. You're not. But the thing about the situation is black culture is dominant at an HBCU. So mm. I'm sure that most PWIs have, you know, a, a subculture of black people where they do the, their thing. The only mm. thing that makes an HBCU or HBCU is that that subculture at all PWIs is dominant at HBCUs. Whatever black people do is what goes. That's mm. the only difference, really. And for me, I thought of it from a perspective of, and I saw like a, you know, a Facebook meme or something that said, like, I have all my life to have to fight against racism or, mm-hmm. you know, microaggressions. Like, why not have my undergrad experience at an HBCU? Like, why do I have to put myself through that early? Now, not all PWIs have very high, you know, racial microaggressions or racism. Like, I'm not saying that every PWI does that. But I know that those experiences are a lot higher at PWIs than HBCUs. And my experience with race didn't happen until I was at a PWI. But it's a completely different world. It's definitely something worth experiencing because it helps with my identity as an African-American person, especially going into something like higher education where there's a very low percentage of African-American educators, but it's growing. You know, it helps with my identity. It's a completely different experience, but it's something worth exploring. I really, really... Like, I wish I could, like, explain it to you, but it's really hard. (laughs) But it was an amazing experience. It really was. And I definitely don't regret going to an HBCU as my undergrad and then coming to a PWI for my grad program, which was a strategic move that I made. HBCU was, like, culture. It was, was like, it's like a family reunion, like, all the time. Like, it's amazing. I mean, even just as the, the setup of the campus and how it differs, from a PWI to a HBCU, like HBCUs always have what's called the yard, which is a central location where everybody meets both mm-hmm. outside and inside. Most people use the student center, but I've noticed that like Grand Valley, for example, there is no like, they, they meet at a certain place, but it's not central to where everything else is. So okay. I don't know the setup and everything is different, but it's an amazing experience. And it's something definitely worth exploring, but so is my PWI experience. It's still amazing as well. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. I wanted to ask okay. that question because 
one, I've always been intrigued by people who go to HBCUs and having good friends who are going to Howard. And I mentioned earlier, I spoke to some individuals who will be featuring this podcast who also went to HBCUs. And both my friend who went to Howard and the people who will be on this podcast, they really spoke about how their lived experience in Detroit had an impact on them wanting to go to an HBCU. And I didn't know if that was the mm-hmm. same for you. And I'm just always intrigued about it. Cause, you know, I watch a different world and, <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff like that. And just, you know, knowing my friends and them talking about HBCU. So I just wanted to ask you that. Now, transitioning out of Kentucky State, you get your degree mm-hmm. in psychology, you get your minor in criminal justice, and yeah. you've spoken about working. What mm-hmm. happened after that? What talk to me about how you felt graduating? Like, okay, what's next? What happened? Okay, so <laughs> graduating was very hard because uh-huh. it's one of those things where when you're in school and you realize you got four years, it's like, oh, that's a long time away. You know, let's just yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. When it happens and you know it, it's happening, you're like, oh my god, what am I about to do? So for me, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I wanted. I knew mm-hmm. that I wanted to go to graduate school. I didn't know what I wanted to major in in graduate school. I just wanted to go, and I don't know why, because I'm a first-year college student, so I don't know too many people that's in grad school. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, many of the people that I knew that was in grad school were people that I met in undergrad. I don't, mm-hmm. like, I didn't have a particular person that was like, you should go to grad school. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do, you know? But mm-hmm. I, for some reason, knew that I wanted to go to grad school. But I didn't have a sense of direction. I didn't know what I wanted mm-hmm. to go into. I didn't know, like, where I wanted to go, like, as far as location, geographically. I just knew that I wanted to do that, right? And so I made the decision to work after realizing that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But for some reason, I knew I didn't not want to come back to Detroit. That was not my goal. Mm -hmm. I figured Mm -hmm. if I'm out, I can continue going wherever else, going further south if I wanted to. I can go to Texas. I go anywhere because I'm out Mm -hmm. of the hood. I'm out of Detroit. I had my gold ticket, right? Mm -hmm. So I was not trying to come to Detroit. That was Mm -hmm. not the goal, right? But I knew that it was meant for me to because I applied to all these different blocks. I applied to Georgia, places in Georgia, like just call center places, places that I've been working while I was in school. So call centers in Georgia, call centers in Texas, and all these other states. But when I made the decision, and I spoke to a friend who said, you know, you should go back home and just decide on what you want to do. You know, your family's there, so you don't have to, like, pay no rent. You could just go mm-hmm. home and, like, kind of gather yourself. And I was mm-hmm. like, really, that's a really good idea. And so that's when I popped again for a miracle because I really love the experience. So I put in these applications. I think I put in about 10 applications in the metro Detroit area and all 10 places called that. Mind you, I have not had any, right, I haven't had any calls from any of the other states. Granted, I was applying for different jobs, but I didn't have any calls from any other states when I was putting in these apps. When I mm. put in those apps for the Metro Detroit area, all 10 of those places called me back for mm. an interview. Like the next day, like six of them called me the next day, and then some other ones staggered in here and there after that. But they all called me back. So I was like, dang, this is like, 
definitely needed to come back to Detroit. Like, I feel like it was meant because the opportunities were there for me. And so through AmeriCorps, where I was able to work at Lawrence Tech, and originally, you know, when me and you did ours in 09, um, it was just a summer associate position, so it only lasted up, what, three months or something like that? Yeah, three months, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so the regular positions last a year. And so I was originally, again, still not, like, I knew the position, so I knew what I signed up for for Morris Tech, but it wasn't something I was thinking about going into. It was just like a job for me, right? Mm -hmm. So my original plan was to do it for a year, you know, whatever, and go into another AmeriCorps program because I was supposed to be trying to pay off my balance. I had a balance with Kentucky State, and I was trying to pay that off so that I could go to grad school. That was my goal. And, you know, AmeriCorps gives you, like, educational money or something. So I originally was going to just do this for a year, find something else pay off my balance and then go to school. But it ended up turning into three years, which was in career services. I ended up loving that. And my supervisor at Lawrence Tech, who got her master's degree in higher education for Grand Valley, encouraged me to mm. go to school at Grand Valley. Okay. And I didn't want, I didn't want to, but um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to move back away. Like, I was trying to go to, like, Oakland or Wayne State. I was trying to yeah, actually yeah, yeah. stay in the Detroit area, but, you know, with the way that the programs are set up and the timing and everything, like, Grand Valley just happened to work out the best. So, yeah, that's how I ended up here. It's like, okay. wow. And then it's almost over. So, it's like, wow. So, yeah. So kind of coming full circle a little bit. So it sounds like your uh, supervisor really played a role when you wanted to go. I mean, other factors as well, but right, right, your supervisor right. helped to influence that. So you've now reached the point you're in grad school, and we mentioned earlier that you're about to graduate. But I'm just mm -hmm. kind of interested to know about how that experience has been. And for those who don't know, Grand Valley State is in Allendale, Michigan. And I don't think I've ever been there, to be honest. I've been to Grand Rapids, but it's not too far from Grand Rapids. It's on the western side of the state. Right. Rick can probably tell you more about this, but a lot of white people. So, yeah. But, yeah, talk to people about that experience in Grand Valley State as best as you can and, you know, where you are now. Sure. So the experience has been very enlightening. I really honestly never thought that I would be in grad school. Like, mm. it was one of those things where I was just saying it because it sounded good. Like, yes, I want to go to grad school. You know what I'm saying? I really wanted to go because my degree was in psychology and I knew that I needed at least a master's to do anything in the psychology field. And mm. so I wanted to go to grad school for that. So I didn't actually think I was going to go for real. So my experience at Grand Valley has been like eye-opening. It's helped me with my identity. It's been pretty amazing. When I got here, you know, I, I interviewed with different positions and I wanted to get a position within career services because that would have been safe for me. But the person who wanted me was the Office of Multicultural Affairs. And I was really mm -hmm. nervous to start this new role because I was new. It was something that I didn't know about. For me, sometimes I can be a perfectionist. I like to know what I'm getting myself into because I want to look like I know what's going on. And with this role, I did not. And so I learned a whole new area of knowledge. And it's something that I've been appreciating. You know, Juanita, who was my supervisor at OMA. But that's what I appreciate about her, is giving me that opportunity to learn all of this new knowledge. And so, you know, being that a grad student, it's only about five black students in my program, in my cohort. It feels like imposter syndrome. 
a little bit for mm. me. I feel like, like, am I really here because I, you know, did the work or am I like just lust? You know what I'm saying? Like, did I just, like every assignment that I turn in and the teachers or the professors say like, yeah, well, I'm like, I did, it was a fluke. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just yeah, did it yeah, this yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Mainly because, you know, because of those battles that I saw between HBCUs and PWIs, and I've heard many things like, yeah, like a, a PWI GPA is better than an HBCU GPA. And, you know, and being the only person that came from an HBCU in my cohort and being able to be on the same playing field with them, like being able to keep up with the, the, the work and the rigor and all of that, it's giving me a sense of imposter syndrome. I, I'm like, like, I don't know if this is really me doing this, you know what I'm saying? But it, it's, it's been an amazing experience. I've learned a lot through OMA. I honestly feel like if I didn't work at OMA, just my experience would have been a lot different. Because at OMA, I did all the black stuff. Let me just be honest. We did, <laughs> we did black excellence orientation. We did yeah, yeah. black history. I was on a black history month committee. I'm a part of the Black Graduate Student Association. Like, my, my supervisor's target population is African-American college students. So mm. I don't know, like, in every aspect of my life, I've encountered blackness. And that's what mm. I appreciate about Detroit. And actually, and I don't mean to go back, but that's what I appreciate about my middle school I went to Henderson which is the same school mm -hmm. that Sierra went to it was super black it was black as hell actually like Afrocentric. <laughs> like we used to get we used to every day you know how some schools elementary schools are K through 8 so some elementary schools they get up and they do the Pledge of Allegiance you know you mm -hmm. gotta pledge allegiance we didn't do that we used to sing with every voice and sing we used to get up yeah, and we used to go to Harambe right go to Harambe, we say Jambo, which is hello and Swahili, to all the professors and stuff. We used to sing, let every voice to sing, and we used to say all seven principles for Kwanzaa. And we used to celebrate Kwanzaa in school. And we used to be able to wear, like, you know, black gold, you know, um, black, green, and red. You know, it was just super black, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. I reflected on that recently, like, this is probably why I'm super, like, Afrocentric now. But anyway, every aspect of my life has had some type of, like, blackness that has contributed to my identity. In this, in this, in the space of Grand Valley, it's like, I don't know how my experience would have been if I did not have that. I feel like mm -hmm. my experience would have been a lot more harsh if I didn't have that as my assistantship. Like, that was my home. Like, that's what I went mm -hmm. to. So when I, when people would make me mad or we have conversations in class that was, like, super hard to deal with, I still had my my safe haven, which is OMA, to talk to people about it, to, to have that interaction. You know what I'm saying? And I just appreciate it. And so my experience has been amazing. I've actually had support as far as the connections. Like like I said, it's only five black people, but four of us have become really close. And I don't know how that would have been if, like, say we didn't get along or I didn't get along with all of them. Little things that could have gone wrong would have made my experience a lot different. But it's been an amazing experience so far. Dope, dope. Now, I do want to be, you know, respectful of time, and I know we got uh, some things to cover because I want to highlight some of the things you've been doing. I know you have recently presented in Boston for the ACPA conference, which is one of the premier yes. higher conferences in our field, and you are going to Ghana. So I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that because you really got me hyped to travel to the motherland because you went, was it last yeah. summer? Yeah. Yes, it was. 
So I went to Ghana in June 2018 to August 2018. And I went as part of a study abroad trip that mm-hmm. Grand Valley hosts. So I went with my professor and another graduate student. And we did like big and small group reflection while we were there with the students so that they can transition into Ghanaian culture. They also had internships where they worked in Ghana Health Services. So they worked in the hospitals. They got to deliver babies, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was an amazing experience for them. I can't deliver no baby, but that's great for them. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my experience in Ghana was so amazing. Like one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I chose Grand Valley is because they had opportunities for graduate students to study abroad. And I never had the opportunity to do that as an undergrad student. And so that was one of the reasons why I chose Grand Valley as a program. And so my experience was a little bit different because I was the only black person on my trip. I'm um, going really? to Ghana. Yeah. I was wow. the only okay. black person on my trip. We had like a host. But he was from Ghana, so he was an African-American. But he was there. He helped us while we were there. He has never been to the U.S. Like, he was just a good—he basically helped with, with exchange. So he works through Grand Valley, but he stays in, in Ghana. And so the experience, like, a lot of the experiences that I'm having now are with my identity, but on the back end of it. Being the only—you know what I'm saying? And where I didn't have those experiences as an HBC graduate right it was still an amazing experience i went to accra which is the main city that you will fly into if you were to go to ghana cape coast which was my favorite city to go to we stayed in winneba which is a really this is like a smaller town and we stayed like on a compound so we had like you know i had my own room and bathroom and things like that and you know they had like a little bar there and we ate together and we ate breakfast and dinner together every day and Cape Coast was my favorite city because it was all vibes, right? It's where they basically, it's off, you know, the beach. And they have like a slave castle on the beach, but they kind of turned it into a spot to like chill, which is really wild for me because it's like a real slave castle, like legit, legit, right? I don't know, like Cape Coast was the the place where I vibe with and I felt like I loved the most. I did a lot of great things while we were there. We did some like, I did some wild stuff for real, like we climbed some mountains. I was like, why are we even doing this? Like, why am I climbing a mountain? We went to the Slave River where a lot of the slaves took their last bath, which was a very emotional experience for me. We went to Elmina Slave Castle, which is in Elmina, but it's it's right outside of Cape Coast. And that was very emotional for me. We went to University of Cape Coast. We went to University of Ghana, which is in Winneba. I think it's maybe the University of Winneba, but I think it's called University of Ghana. Went to a couple of universities. I mean, it was so amazing. It's so different from American culture as, you know, that's very obvious, but it was just so different because everything else is so lax. Like, time is not a thing. Like, I can understand why Black people have this thing of with time where we relate to everything because we don't care. Like, <laughs> that's where, like, it's the origin there. You could, you could call a cab or tell somebody that you're trying to meet up with somebody from Ghana, like, say, tell them, like, to meet at this place. They will show up whenever they want, literally. They will show up mm. whenever they want, okay? You know, it's it's just like I saw how we are as African-Americans who have developed here in America. I see the origin of how we became who we are. Like the stuff that they do there or we do here, they do there. 
You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Like, they'll show whenever, you know, they're trying to argue with you. They're trying to sell you stuff. you like, no, I'm not buying that. You'll get into an argument with them because they have, they have markets where everything that you buy, you have to bargain for. So you got to, mm-hmm. like, you know, you kind of got to have some skin. Like, no, I said I'm not going to buy that. They'll be, they'll try to toss you down. Just like how people were here. Like, they try to sell you stuff. You're like, I ain't about to buy that. So it was, it was an experience where I encountered the origin of my identity, the Things that I do here in America, they do there, you know? Mm. And so it just made me appreciate the culture even more. And I just, when I was at the market, I had people who knew about Detroit. They were telling me about Detroit. I had a one guy who was like, I have some friends in Detroit. He was giving me the guy's phone number that he knew when he was like, ready for the number. I'm like, yeah. He was like, 313. I'm like, okay, so you really do know about Detroit. You really do about them. Exactly. You know, they, they're, a lot of them said to me, like, you know, tell them back in America that we don't live on trees. You don't live in huts. You know, and Mm -hmm. they don't. They don't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they was, they was telling me all of that. And they got a handshake, which is really dope, like a universal Ghanaian handshake. So I was doing that all the time, which is, is really dope. Like, because we do that. So, yeah, I had a great time. I really did. Okay. That's dope. And the thing that Britt was really adamant about, she was out there representing the, I know she had mentioned the person she encountered that knew somebody in the trip, but she was definitely representing the D very positively out there. So being respectful of time, and I got a couple of last minute things I got to ask you because I think we covered okay. this before in one of our previous conversations, but we know you're about to graduate. Depending on when mm-hmm. we put this out, hopefully you would have graduated because they think graduation is at the end of April, correct? Yes. Yes, yes. So maybe briefly tell us, like, April 26th. Okay, so maybe briefly tell us what's next for you. So currently I'm looking to find a job. I want to stay in Michigan. (laughs) I want to go back to the east side of the state, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, east side of the state. (laughs) Right. So I'm looking for, like, positions within student affairs and, like, diversity and inclusion or, like, academic advising. Something where I'm working with underrepresented populations of students because I believe in being a voice for them. I know that there aren't a lot of people of color in higher positions, and I understand how a lot of underrepresented populations' needs aren't being met because of that. You know, the mm-hmm. people who are making the decisions for the whole campus don't normally represent the people that are there on the bottom half of that. So I'm looking in diversity and inclusion work. Yeah, that's, you know, trying to get all that together right now. Okay, dope, dope. Yeah, we definitely going to... Make sure we put that out there for you. Make sure that the community supports you and what you're doing, especially trying to find a job. I know how that is. So, right, so right. last question I'm going to ask you. Well, not last, but one of the last questions I'm going to ask you. I'm going to try not to trip you up. It might be okay. a question you might need to think about for a second. So, okay. if you had to identify either a music, maybe a song, album, whatever, or a restaurant that represents Detroit, what would it be? You can do either or you can do both. Song that represents okay. Detroit. Or some food. Some food that represents Detroit? <laughs> either one. Either one. Music or food. <laughs> okay. I mean, our signature food that represents Detroit, conveniently, I've seen in other places, okay, is, of course, Coney, right? So, yeah, yeah. they had Coney down in Kentucky. And it was called Detroit Famous Coney Island in Kentucky. 
Okay? Mm. Like, it's a big deal. You know, when I went to Las Vegas, I went to the deep. Of course, Detroit. So they had a whole... Yeah. <laughs> and they had a Coney in there. And I didn't know that. They had a whole mural of Detroit in that Coney Island. That's, like, so, I don't know. Coney is representative of food for me when I think of Detroit. When I get that urge, when I want that late night snack, that's... It's the most convenient <laughs> thing that you can get. I don't see how anybody else is not doing this. Like, what? Okay. But music, uh, that's a really hard question. Like, I want to say, like, I don't know. Music, I'll probably have to get back with you on that one because, like, I can make a playlist of vibes of music for Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And when I think of Detroit, I always, you know, backlash, think about the 90s, think about a whole bunch of stuff. But I, I'm a stick to the food. Okay, and, okay, okay. In county. <laughs> okay, okay. I one. think I'd be a people with choice. I think I stumped you last time, but it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the, the last two things I want to ask you, and if you could summarize it as best as you can, what does Detroit mean to you? Detroit is vibe. Detroit is culture. Detroit is strength. It's perseverance. You know, Detroit represents, you know, spirit, like spirit of Detroit. It represents, like, a way to come out of bad times like it, it, it represents optimism mm-hmm. you know in, in, in times of hardship we know how to get through and I feel mm-hmm. like I've taken that the, the, the biggest thing that I've taken from Detroit is that it doesn't matter what background you come from and this is the reason why I don't judge people by how they look because mm-hmm. it needs some you know some brilliant people who don't have the opportunities that other people who are privileged have I know mm-hmm. brilliant people that have come from the hood brilliant that could you know break down stuff math stem fields all of that they just don't have the opportunities that privileged people have and that's what I've probably taken never judge a book people okay. get judged okay. all the time so never judge a book yeah you already know how it is and people shit on the D all the time um, exactly seen it just traveling across the country and being yeah. in different states and being in different spaces so that's what this podcast is all about to give that affirmation show people that Detroit is beautiful I guess the last question and I've been so appreciative of you coming on here and this has been a very rich conversation but how can we find you on the social media space that's if you would like to be found on the social media space oh yeah no that's no problem so I'm on Facebook Twitter and Instagram my Facebook is Brittany You. my name is still like Brittany Spears so it might be easier <laughs> to find me that way because Brittany is spelled so many different ways yeah. But my Facebook name is Brittany You. My Instagram and Twitter is a little bit more difficult. <laughs> it's underscore no one like B underscore. That's for both my mm. Instagram and my Twitter. Again, that's underscore no one N O O N E L I K E B underscore. Yeah, and um, Brittany, um oh go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, you also have a, trying to do like a blog or something where you're going to be talking about traveling. Yes. So I have a blog site. It's called Let Her Be a Traveling Queen. And so basically I show, I have put my information about Ghana, like my experience with Ghana on there. And I plan on doing more traveling this year. I just haven't done much lately. I went to Boston and I probably was wrong about that. (laughs) But I also have a section on the page where I want to plug black businesses um, in the places that I've been. Right. So, you know, whenever I go to a different city, I usually try to support some type of black business. And so I was thinking it would be a good idea to put those in one place so that if people go, they'll have that to be able to go to. 
So it's a Wix site. So I can send you the link if you want me to because it's pretty yeah, long yeah, right yeah. now. But yes, my blog site is called Let Her Be. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely send that to us and we'll definitely get that in the show notes. So thank you all so much for listening. Brittany, thank you so much for coming on here and being flexible and most importantly talking about your experiences. Best no of luck to you and your upcoming graduation. And hopefully by the time this interview airs, you would have found the position or been pointed in the direction of a right one and things would have been moving forward. But thank you so much. This is, I feel you are a representative of what this podcast Podcast is about being able to positively represent Detroit in a way that's affirming and also a way that's enlightening. So much love to you, much success to you, and if people feel free to leave feedback. And Bert, you got anything last minute thing you got to say? Nope. I just want to say thank you for having me on the show, and I really appreciate you know your support as a friend and you know the, what you're doing with the podcast. Cause I think it's really important to highlight some great positive things that are coming from Detroit because we are always looked at as you know the deficit the the negative so i really appreciate having the opportunity to speak some on life into detroit and being that you know and in in, with their education so yeah i appreciate most that definitely most definitely hey i couldn't say it any better myself peace